There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. It's the Crossover Sports Illustrated NBA show. Breaking down the latest news, rumors, and everything in between. Here's your host, Chris Mannix and Rohan Lodkardy. Welcome back to another episode of the Crossover Podcast. I'm Rohan Nadrani, joined today, as always, by my esteemed colleague, Sports Illustrated senior writer, the Jimmy Conway of the Boston Media Mafia, Chris Mannix, is with us. Chris, how's it going, buddy? Took me a bit to process that reference, but I'm fine, <laughs> Rohan. I, I was going to say, I feel like that's a pretty, that's a compliment. Um, you know, De Niro's a powerhouse in that movie. Could have, gone, could have been a lot worse. Before we get started, Chris, I just want to say real quick, did you see that Dylan Brooks changed his Instagram display name to Villain? I don't know if it's his description or, or whatever, just his Villain on his IG page now. Well, maybe. I mean, look, he's he's always embraced the you know Villain label that he is quick to remind that was bestowed on him. <laughs> he's always, you know, the story I did last week, he, one of the first things he said to me was, I didn't choose to be this villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but I will, I will take it. I will be what is chosen for me. So it's not surprising to see him, you know, embrace it on social media. And I was going to ask if, if you're going to take the credit. It wasn't that, wasn't that no, like the literal no. headline on our daily. Yeah. Cover? I mean, yeah. It, it, like in, inside the magazine, it says, villain the first graph of <laughs> the story is about him being a villain so yeah it's about dylan brooks uh, embracing that that villain moniker i think more importantly for dylan brooks he's been really good i know the rockets mm-hmm. have lost three straight now but those are three razor close losses yeah. at the buzzer to the clippers tough loss to the lakers they lose on the back-to-back by five to golden state and you know, dylan brooks has been really really good his shooting percentages are way up this season so um he still is that guy that gets under the skin of LeBron James. Shaw LeBron elbow bump mm-hmm. him, you know, in that game, and uh, he bothered some of the Warriors uh, on Monday night. But uh, he's plays backing it up this year, that's for sure. Absolutely, I love that. Even in year twenty one now, LeBron still has enemies. I'm glad that someone's still uh, trying to get under his skin. Chris, a few different things I want to get to today. 
And I want to start with uh, Zach Levine. We, we didn't really talk too much about him uh, since the reports came out that he was requested a trade. Not only is he kind of requested a trade, the Bulls front office apparently seems open to trading him. And, you know, I'm sure his agent and the team are engaged in some kind of dialogue now about where to send him. I wrote last week, as it pertains to Zach Levine, that it's a it's a splashy name to kind of enter the trade market this early in the season, but in my head I started going through a list of teams that should trade for him, and like the Sixers you would have said three weeks ago maybe, but now I don't know why the Sixers would trade for him. A team like the Heat, again, I think before the season would have made a lot of sense. They've been rolling a late, I think one winners are 8-9, and nine, and that's without Tyler Hero for the majority of it. You think about a team like the Lakers, uh, maybe Warriors. I, I don't know. So I just wanted to ask you, is is there a team in the league that you think makes sense as a Zach Levine trade destination? I don't think there's an obvious choice right now, no. Um, you know, the Lakers, I think, would have a level of interest. But, you know, given Levine's salary, you then have to start thinking about what they'd have to send back. Yeah, D'Angelo Russell would be part of that deal. But the Lakers really want to include... Austin Reeves, who has been great for them uh, coming off the bench, probably not. Philadelphia, yeah, I mean, maybe a few weeks ago the Sixers might have had some interest there, but the Sixers have been rolling right now, and I don't see a need for you know somebody to take the ball out of Tyrese Maxey's mm-hmm. hands or you know to, to to take more shots away from Joel Embiid, whose assist numbers, by the way, have been terrific. He's up two assists per game this year, so he's been uh, excellent across the board. I, you know, Sacramento. Okay, but they need defense more than they need more scoring, and Zach Levine's not providing that. San Antonio probably needs another ball handler. I mean, I don't know how many games you can go with uh, you know Jeremy Sochan as the, the primary playmaker down there, but the reality is the Spurs are third in the league in assists, so or assists per game, so I, I, you know, they're not doing too bad in that department. I don't know. I mean, his contract with three years and like 140-ish million dollars left on it is a problem. Um, he's a one-dimensional player, you know, just basically a score. So that's kind of a problem. I, I, I don't know. I mean, could you know, you know, one team actually. Now that I think of it, like Orlando, could I see Orlando making a play for Zach Levine? Probably, because the Magic have right now they're tied for the number one defense in the NBA. Their offense is terrible. They're the bottom third in the NBA in most offensive categories. They've got a bunch of young guys down there. Some guys they're probably not going to want to pay in the years to come. Um, you know, maybe they could put together a package that gives Chicago, you know, some decent young assets, but also some cap relief in getting off of Levine's last three years on that contract. It kind of makes some sense down there because add Levine's offense, that magic team, uh, and assuming they don't, they don't take too big a step back defensively, you know, they're a playoff contender. I mean, they're already a playoff contender right now. I have them, I think, in the top 10 or 11 in my latest power rankings, but, um, I, I think he might make some sense with the Magic. The Orlando one is is interesting because that one's going to come down to how much are you ready to put Levine in front of some of the backcourt talent you have there between Jalen Suggs, between Cole Anthony, Markel Fultz. I'm not saying Levine's not a better player than some of those guys, but those are players the Magic have invested in developing, right? I think Jalen Suggs... Um, has been really solid this year. Uh, um, he's kind of like the, the forgotten member of that draft class a little bit, I think. And he may not have you know the flashy scoring nights that say Jalen Green has, but I think he's really solid defensively. Cole Anthony is, I think, the Magic have also accepted maybe more of kind of a a sixth man 
gunner off the bench type, but he's been effective in that role. So that's an interesting one for Levine. I want to go back to the I Lakers. wouldn't I wouldn't yeah. blank at passing yeah. on I I'd deal Cole Anthony. Mm-hmm. Cole Anthony's like a thirteen point scorer. Yeah. His field goal percentage is down to about forty one percent. His three point percentage is below thirty five percent. So th- there are some trends there that aren't yeah. uh that great early on in the season. And if you're bringing in Zach Levine, you gotta find a role for him. So I, I, I yep. wouldn't I, I wouldn't hesitate for a second to include Cole Anthony to deal for Levine. That's fair. That's completely fair. I want to go back to the Lakers for a second because I wrote about this last week and I think it's kind of funny. But if Zach Levine is on the trade market right now, you know, the Bulls, they played a crazy game into Miami on Sunday. Miami led for over 47 minutes. The Bulls still won. Bulls get blown out last night. They're, they're not very good. Um, they haven't been very good when Levine, DeRozan, and Vujovic have been on the court together. Levine has weirdly just not shot the ball a lot the last couple games. He had some kind of... I don't know if you want to call it incident, but kind of walked off the court angrily after the last win. The video was going around social media. He kind of brushed off their uh, PR team. He doesn't seem very happy. It feels like the Bulls are finally headed for that blow up everyone's been talking about for the last couple years. Like if Levine's on the market, that probably means they're, they're blowing up this team. If you're a Levine player, why wouldn't you just wait for DeMar DeRozan, who makes $15 million less dollars a year, is in the last year of his contract. Like, if I'm the Lakers and I see that Levine's available, I'm thinking, what do I have to do to get DeMar DeRozan? Can I get DeMar DeRozan and Alex Crusoe in a deal, both of whom together make less than Zach Levine? So, to me, that's kind of hanging over the head of this for Chicago, which is, if any team's thinking about trading for Levine, especially if you're a contender, wouldn't you maybe want to wait out DeRozan, see if you could get him at kind of a cheaper price because he's on an expiring deal? Yeah, yeah, I'd probably rather have DeMar DeRozan than Zach Levine, though his shooting numbers aren't great this season, mm-hmm. 45% from the field. He is at 38% from three, which is a astronomical number for DeMar <laughs> DeRozan, uh, but he is only attempting two and a half threes per game. The, the guy I'd want is Caruso, though. Like, mm-hmm. that's the, you know, forget DeRozan, forget Zach Levine. If I'm a contending team like the Lakers, I would want Alex Caruso, who is, by the way, shooting 50% from three. <laughs> like, he is having a tremendous three-point shooting season so far. We know what he can do on both ends of the floor. We know that he can play in Los Angeles opposite LeBron James. He did it to the tune of a championship a few years ago. So that's the guy I would be throwing all my assets at if I'm the Lakers. I would be throwing a draft pick, multiple draft picks, whatever you got to do to get someone like Alex Caruso. Because if you had Caruso to that mix in the place of D'Angelo Russell or you know, in the role that was earmarked originally for Gabe Vincent. Uh, you, I think you've got an improved team right there because all of a sudden you got Caruso, you've got Austin Reeves. Um, you know, you've got some pieces there mm-hmm. that are two-way players and efficient shooters and guys that have thrived in an environment opposite LeBron and AD. So I wouldn't even be thinking about Zach Levine if I was the Lakers. I really wouldn't be thinking about DeMar DeRozan if I was the Lakers. I would be entirely focused on getting Alex Caruso back and rectifying the mistake (laughs) that the Lakers made several years ago when they let him walk for a contract that is one of the NBA's best right now. Still is one of the NBA's best. It was a reasonable contract when Alex Caruso signed it back in, what was it, 2021, and it's still a really good contract right now. Yes, it, it, the irony, I, I don't know if even that's the right word, it would be hilarious if the Lakers had to give up assets to get Alex Crusoe back. 
uh, he's on a fantastic deal. He signed that mid-level contract with the Bulls. He's got another year on it after this one. I agree that if they're blowing it up, Caruso's maybe even the biggest prize out of those guys because he has another year on his deal because of how well he fits in on basically any team in the league. My thing with Caruso for the Lakers is, do they have the assets to go get him? Like, would you be shocked if it took two first-round picks to get Caruso at no. this point because of that contract? No, not, like, not with that contract. No, that contract is is excellent. Um, uh, it, look, it could – like, compare him maybe to someone like Jakob Pertl from a couple of years ago where the Spurs wanted two first-round picks for Jakob Pertl because he was a young guy, a starting center in this league, on a pretty good contract. Alex Caruso's you know, obviously not the same kind of player, but he's in that kind of – framework where he's a, a relatively young guy, two-way player, can fit into a starting lineup if he has to, can come off the bench if he has to. I think the asking price will probably start at two first-round picks, um, but it could come down, right? It could come down to one first-round pick, some surplus second-round assets, uh, the right contract back in return. I think it'll be interesting. Um, Zach Levine could be someone the Bulls ultimately decide to just offload because you mentioned the shots the last couple of games. He took 20 shots against Orlando, uh, what, three games ago. The last two games, he has taken a combined 19 shots mm-hmm. against Miami. Uh, you know, Billy Donovan's out there saying he's playing the right way. <laughs> Unselfish. Some yeah. people might suggest he's going on strike. Like, it's yeah. just a, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a weird dynamic down there with, uh, with Zach Levine um, that, that may not be tenable for that much longer, especially if the Bulls keep losing. So, they may decide to offload him. They may decide they'll take whatever they can get for DeMar DeRozan they don't want to bring back next year. Caruso's the guy with the real value, mm-hmm. with the contract that's manageable next year. I think they'll try to get two firsts. Uh, I don't think they'll get it, but I think they'll try to get two firsts, and that will drag out any negotiation for Alex Caruso. Yeah, the Caruso thing's going to be fascinating, and I, I wonder if some contender just goes F them picks mode and really goes for it, because I do think he's like a legitimate floor raiser and yeah that could turn into a serious bidding war Caruso last thing I just want to say about him any team thinking about trading him the combination of his contract injury history and lack of playoff experience would just really scare me if that was the guy um teams are thinking about going to go get especially the heat I just want to throw that out there there's no distance too far for the perfect trip hi checking in for or the perfect table Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. 
Let's move on to a team that finally won a game last night after being in the loss column for a little while. That's the Golden State Warriors. Um, the Warriors had lost five in a row. They were dealing with the Draymond suspension. Steph Curry returned last night after missing a couple games with a knee injury. They dropped two in a row to the Thunder. Um, I believe they have one game left on kind of a six-game homestand. Uh, they got off to a great start this season, Golden State. Curry, I think, is as good as Steph Curry's ever been. Like, if you compare his numbers to his 2016 MVP year, scoring is there, efficiency's even better. It's as good as Steph Curry's ever been. The play of Andrew Wiggins falling off a cliff. Uh, the, the play of Klay Thompson, he had a little bit of a bounce back game last night, hit five threes. It looked like they were force-feeding him a bit, but he got it going. Uh, falling off a cliff, though, it's not the same Clay. It's not the same Wiggins. The Draymond thing, I think even Kerr had to come around and say that was inexcusable, his chokehold on Rudy Gobert. I, I thought this team was going to be a lot better. The first you know, two weeks of the season, I was feeling great about them. Where are you on the Warriors right now, Chris? Are you, would you say they're in trouble? Uh, what's your general read on this team? I think they're in trouble. Um, I don't think they're fall out of the playoff picture trouble, but I think they're in danger of finishing bottom half of the playoff bracket and getting beat in the first round kind of trouble. Because you mentioned Wiggins. His shooting has cratered. 25% from three-point range, 42% from the floor overall. Uh, I don't know what's happening with Andrew Wiggins. Uh, he's played all 15 games for Golden State, but he has not made a shot this season. Clay, uh, a lot better in this last game against Houston, but his numbers have bottomed out uh, as well. Jonathan Kaminga, wildly inconsistent. He had so many bonehead plays at the end of that game against the Rockets last night where like, he gave them an opportunity to get back into the game. Some nights he's going to give you 20 points. Some nights he's going to have you know, three for seven shooting nights like he did uh, against Houston. So I, I don't think you can count on him. Uh, Draymond coming back, that'll obviously help. He is <laughs> you know, kind of the heart and soul of that team, but... Unless Clay Thompson rebounds in a big way, and I mean shooting-wise, unless Andrew Wiggins rebounds in a big way, this team's in trouble. I mean, we, we've seen there's only so much Steph Curry can do mm -hmm. uh, when he's out there. And when he comes off the floor, even though there was this kind of brief period where you know Chris Paul was able to step in, the on-off minutes weren't that bad. They're back to being not great for Golden mm -hmm. State. So uh, I think they're in, they're in some trouble here because I don't think there's a move that they can make that will make them significantly better? Like, do they package Chris Paul's contract with a Kaminga, with a Modus, Moses Moody to go get somebody? Maybe. How much better does that make them? What if it's Zach Levine? I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what gets them to that next level. So, yeah, I think they're in, they're in some trouble there. I think they're still going to go on some runs. They'll get into the playoffs. But, you know, you look at the teams they might match up against in the first round, the teams at the top of the Western Conference playoff bracket. It's going to be tough for Golden State to beat them. As good as Steph Curry is, it's going to be really tough for Gold this, this version of Golden State to win those series. Man, it I kind of feel you, man. I think I'm with you, and I, I was really high on this team. And like you said, the, they were, the Paul bench minutes were singing. Steph looked incredible. In my mind, I was like, once they get Wiggins back, this team's going to go on a major run. Just to, to housekeep a little bit here, they're 2-7 and seven in their last nine. They ended up losing six in a row. The homestand is over. Their next three weeks are not easy, okay? Starting on Wednesday, they got Phoenix. Then they get San Antonio, whatever. Then they have Sacramento, the Clippers back-to-back, -back, Phoenix again, the Clippers back-to-back, -back, and the Clippers again. 
So they got a bunch of tough games coming up. I see one, you know, San Antonio has kind of been the gimme for everyone this season so far, but Sacramento's tough. They have Phoenix twice, LA three times. Those are not easy games. And, you know, it's it's crazy. Last year they had, they had arguably the best starting five in the league with Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond, and Looney just dominant on both ends of the floor. And they were able to overcome the fact that they played two non-shooters because Wiggins and Clay were hitting a bunch of outside shots. Steph was Steph. This year, they have one of the worst starting fives in the league. You know, entering last night, uh, they had like a minus 14 net rating. I mean, that stayed the same. Draymond was out. But it's flipped entirely. And Wiggins, you mentioned, you know, shooting 25% from three. You know, I was digging into some of the numbers on NBA.com last week. It's like he was shooting like 13% on open threes. Threes classified as open, like 22% on threes classified as wide open. He's getting great looks and not hitting them. And and I don't know how you how you coach that out of him. You know, I, I don't know what adjustment there is to make to say, hey, hit the wide open shots you've hit your entire career. Levine is an interesting name for them. Um, and this is where it gets really interesting, Mannix. Clay Thompson's an expiring contract. He is not playing well. And it's a little bit of, to me, a chicken in the egg scenario. Is he, is this a sign of his decline or is he, you know, is the contract situation affecting him? And my question to you is, if you're the Warriors, do you consider trading Clay midseason? It would take stones the size of basketballs <laughs> to do that. And I, I just don't know if Mike Dunleavy Jr. has that in him. Now, maybe the conversation gets different if we're into January and very early February and Clay Thompson is still shooting 40% from the floor and low 30s from three-point range. Maybe then you can start to have a conversation. Maybe if Wiggins is picking it up, uh, you know, if, if there is if this team is showing signs of being the contender that the Warriors believed they were going to be coming into the season. But I, I don't think you could pull the trigger on something like that for at least a couple of months. I think you've got to give Klay Thompson more time to work his way out of this shooting funk. The Warriors obviously wanted to re-sign him this past offseason, couldn't come to agree, couldn't come to an agreement on terms uh, on a deal. But, you know, it, it, from a basketball perspective – it would probably make the most sense to deal uh, Clay over Chris Paul. Chris Paul, at least you've you know got that financial flexibility coming after this offseason as well. But but it would be something like you know Clay Thompson is every bit a part of the fabric of that team as Draymond Green is, as Steph Curry is, as all of those guys that have won championships there have been. It would take a lot, man. It would take a lot, but. Uh, you know, I, I think you need to to give it a few more months to see how Clay's shooting shakes out. I'm definitely of the opinion. I'm of the opinion, frankly, they should have re-signed him. I think he means too much of the team. Well, it depends what the money was, yeah, right? Like, right. I mean, we don't know how far apart they were. For and sure. Do, you know, I, I, the I, only thing I know is that they were pretty significant amount apart in terms right. of years and in terms of money. So I, I'm sure Clay wanted something close to resembling a max. And it's, it's you know I think he's well within his rights to ask for something like yeah, it's that. A, it's it's an yeah. end of career deal like this right. you know this next contract Clay Thompson signs decent chances his last yeah. so you know my if you're being completely unemotional about it though and I'm not saying that's the way to go about it 
if, if Mike Dunleavy's being completely unemotional about it, I think he has to look at it like our two options with Clay are we re-sign him at a at a way lower number that's probably insulting to him in the offseason because he's now coming off two major injuries and we're maybe seeing that catch up with him. Not to mention he didn't really have a great playoffs either. I mean, our kind of lasting image of him from last postseason was him taking that ill-advised three in the Lakers game and Steve Kerr like visibly reacting to it late in the game up from the bench. He didn't have a great playoffs. Now he's off to just an awful start this season. You have Steph, who, like I mentioned, is playing like prime Steph Curry. Some people would argue this is the best version of him. I don't know if I'm willing to go that far, but he's been fantastic. With Clay, your options are re-sign him for a much lower number in the summer and, and hope that he turns into you know, a role player who's playing less minutes but still has to shoot better than what he's shooting this season. But even if you let him walk in the offseason... Your team is so far up the cap that it doesn't really bring you any relief, even taking $43 million off the books. Now, you can get off him and Paul, and, and you're, you're in a, a more reasonable territory, but they won't have great options to replace him in the offseason, which is why I, I really think they have to seriously consider the move if they believe Steph can still be the best player on a title team and I think he's shown this year the fact that he's lifted up some of these groups the way that he has. I think he definitely has that potential. I mean, I know we just went over why Levine is risky and nobody should move him. I mean, maybe they, if they can cobble together enough picks, become a DeRozan Caruso contender. But if you're being purely unemotional about it, I think there are more reasons to do it than not do it. Uh, Well, look. You've got to believe that Zach Levine is going to be a better fit for this team than Clay Thompson. And look, Zach Levine, I'm looking at his playoff numbers, and it doesn't take very long because he's played <laughs> a total of four games in uh, in the postseason. Uh, there's no body of evidence there mm-hmm. that suggests that Zach Levine is going to be a playoff performer. Um, you also remember with Zach Levine, like he's been healthy the last couple of years, yeah, but. I've talked to enough people around the league that are still very wary of that knee and, mm-hmm. and what that could mean for him in the years to come. This is an explosive player still um, uh, who, who, you know, hopefully he doesn't, but, you know, you have to keep an eye on, on that knee injury moving forward. I, I, just, don't, I just don't see it. I, I don't, you know, I, I don't think trading Clay Thompson should be off the table in Golden State, but I don't think Zach Levine is the answer because you, you're just getting kind of, you know, a guy that's used to having the ball in his hands, a very one-dimensional player, good player, good with that one dimension, but a one-dimensional player. And it's, it's, it's pretty risky to assume that he's going to step in and fit alongside Steph and Clay and Wiggins and, and Kevon Looney and all those guys. So I, I don't know. I, you know it, I'd wait and see if somebody else materializes, another player on the market materializes before I start talking about a Clay Thompson deal because Zach Levine just... Yeah, I, I just don't see how that makes you... You know, that much better and you're going to be taking on the final three years of Zach Levine's contract as well. So I, I don't, I, that wouldn't be my first choice. I, I don't disagree with you. It's just going to be fascinating to watch that one play out. If clay continues to struggle, hopefully that, that little bounce back he had last night is a sign of things to come. 
let's stay in the West, Mannix. The West has been really interesting to start this year. I think Denver, shout out to Denver, beat Detroit last night, even though Jokic played 15 minutes. Michael Malone Shout out tossed. to Denver who beat Detroit last night. We're doing that. <laughs> Malone got ejected in like the first 90 seconds, and then Jokic got ejected after playing 15 minutes. They didn't my, have my initial theory. My initial theory on that was... You know, they knew they were playing Detroit, so uh, Michael Malone wanted to give like, David Adelman a chance to coach in a live game. <laughs> yeah, and Nicole Jokic wanted to give Michael Porter Jr. a chance to lead a team uh, for you know the better part of the game. Let's uh, get back. Let's let's put a pin in that because that is hilarious if that's how people are treating Detroit 15 games into the season. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Denver is probably the class of the West right now. And I think right up there with them so far, the Timberwolves. Uh, incredible defense. But sneaking up this year, the Oklahoma City Thun- Thunder, 10-4, and four, third in the West. They have a top five net rating in the league. Uh, they've been, I think, arguably even ahead of expectations this year. I think people thought they were going to be really good. Um, Chet Holmgren has been fantastic out of the gate. Shea is still Shea. Jalen Williams is fantastic. You know, the, the vision that Sam Presti had for this roster, I think, is, is finally coming to light. They're executing. Um, I'm skipping over Dallas right now, but we got to talk about Dallas soon because they've also been, I think, better to start this season than people expected them. But I wanted to ask you, Mannix, because last year I think the surprise team of the West, the Sacramento Kings, they were really good. Obviously played that seven-game classic with the Warriors in the first round. I think people expect them to hang around. Deer and Fox missed a few games. He's back and looking great. If I had to ask you today which team you thought was more likely to make the conference finals between the Thunder or the Kings, who you take? I'd probably say Oklahoma City. Uh, I saw Sacramento play in L.A. over the weekend. Um, look, De'Aaron Fox is still dynamic. Uh, one of the best, you know, dribble drive scorers, gets in the paint almost at will, is just a tremendous athlete. When he's in the lineup, they are as good an offense as you'll find in the NBA. Keegan Murray, you know, an, yeah, another step as a as a player, young player. Uh, Sabonis continues to be kind of this, you know, flirt with a triple-double some nights, 
kind of guy. Um, so, so they're really good offensively. It's just defensively I can't trust them. And I had this conversation with Mike Brown uh, before the game, uh, you know, this uh, when they played in L.A. And, you know, look, you know, Mike believes they're getting better, and they are. Like, there are, so, there are several categories. They're now middle of the pack in defensively. I think defensive efficiency overall, they're middle of the pack in that. Um, but then who, who do they – they just played somebody Monday night. Who do they play? They just got shellacked. I'm, I'm blanking. Uh, the Pelicans. Uh, they, the Pelicans. Which kind know, of ruined the, my – yeah, yeah, beat the doors yeah, off. Yeah, they beat the doors yeah. off them. <laughs> I just – I can't trust them defensively yet. And to win in the playoffs, you've got to be – a high-level defensive team, no matter how good you are offensively. So uh, I look at Oklahoma City, and like Sacramento, they have a legit number one. De'Aaron Fox, the number one in Sacramento. Shea Gildas-Alexander is the number one in uh, Oklahoma City. But they're also, right now, an elite defensive team. They're top five in defensive efficiency. You know, Chet uh, is is solid as a rim protector. Shea is, is excellent as a, you know both guard defending uh, backcourt player. Lou Dort, top-level defensive player. Jalen Williams, top-level, emerging top-level defensive player. They've got guys that are legit defensive stoppers on that team. Uh, and you couple that with the dynamic you know, play they've had offensively. They're number one in the NBA in three-point shooting percentage. Uh, you know, they're, they're really good. Like, they're, they're really good. Now, can their, will their youth hurt them in the playoffs? Maybe. You know, Chet... It is his first full NBA season. Mm-hmm. You know, all the guys I mentioned, really outside of Shea, they're still pretty young guys. Mm-hmm. Um, Shea and Dort so, are the only guys with real playoff experience, so that was one round. That's not much, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. So, so yeah, I, I could see you know them scuffling because of that, but their defense, to me, separates them from, from Sacramento. If they can defend at this level in the postseason, uh, they're going to have a better chance to win than the Kings will. I, you just don't win games like you know 131, 124 in the playoffs. You don't. Um, and look, Sacramento, give them credit. They were tooth and nail with the Warriors in the postseason last year. But uh, I just I can't trust them until they prove they can be consistently at least top 15 in most defensive categories. If, they, if we get to the end of the year and Sacramento is top 15 in defense efficiency, that's a different discussion. But right now, I trust Oklahoma City more than I trust Sacramento. Man, I, again, I think we had pretty solid expectations for the Thunder it is remarkable how quickly they've put it together with Chet. It feels like there hasn't been any adjustment period, no feeling out how this is going to work. They've been fantastic to start the year. Um, I know it's very early in the year for West playoff bracket talk, but you think about a team like the Suns, Bradley Beal's out for another couple weeks at least. It's the same old story every year with Kevin Durant where – no matter the team he's on, somehow he ends up being the guy who has to carry just a massive load on his shoulders in the regular season. I mean, Devin Booker's back now, and Booker's been playing well. but He's had almost 10 assists a game in the five yeah. games he's played. Uh, he's so. been fantastic, but this is a very top-heavy team, and there's a lot of pressure on those two guys every single night to deliver. You know, Phoenix is 7-6. and six. It feels like it's going to be kind of an uphill battle for them all season long with the injuries to their main guys. Um, the Lakers have had their own issues. We mentioned the Warriors. It's really Dallas, Sacramento, Oklahoma City, um, Denver, and Minnesota that I think have shown yeah, any level. I, I of- wouldn't be surprised. Look, you mentioned Dallas earlier. I wouldn't be surprised if the Mavericks kind of fall out. Of yeah, they they had quickly. a little bit of an they, easy schedule. They did. They've the lost year. the last two. Yeah. They've got to come to LA to play the Lakers and Clippers this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, their schedule gets pretty tough 
in the next right. uh, next month. So you know, I mm-hmm. I love Derek Lively, uh, yeah. but I don't think he's going to be the defensive answer for that team. When you have two guys in Luca and Kyrie that are below average defenders at best, you're mm-hmm. uh, you're gonna you're gonna be in a tough spot. Yeah. Um, so I, I I would we might be having a different conversation about yes. the Mavericks this time next week. So even if you just take those other four, though, OKC, Sacramento, Minnesota, and Denver, whoever's not on Denver's side of the bracket um, heading into the playoffs, and again, it's insane to talk seeding right now. I, I completely accept that. I'm a nut job, but um, these are the things that matter. Like these early regular season games, teams drop them, think they can make them back. Like the route you have at that time of year is going to be important, especially in the West, especially with Jokic looming. If one of these teams can break it right, you know, win some of these early games, get on the other side, it's going to be very interesting. Um, I, I think with Phoenix, though, like they're the one team that really can't be concerned and shouldn't be concerned mm. with seeding. Durant is still Durant. He is still an MVP caliber player. Might be the MVP right now, certainly in that mix. Uh, Devin Booker, small sample size, but his scoring is up from last season. And his assists have nearly doubled. So Booker's he is, been on a heater for like three years. He's just I been on fire. Yeah. He's, he has been unbelievable in the games he's played in mm-hmm. this season and kind of embraced being the playmaker with this mm-hmm. team. It's also not cost him anything offensively yet. So um, you like that the signs there. Uh, Beal, his injury has to be terrifying to Phoenix because it's a back injury. And back injuries have the tendency to both linger and mm-hmm. flare up at the most inconvenient times. Remember Bradley Beal? He, he's had injuries. Like a few day, well, Bradley Beal, it was just a few days ago or a week ago now that he was probable for a game. Yeah. And then, you know, hours or a day later, it's like Bradley Beal is going to be out for three weeks. Yeah. So that back injury has to really be concerning for the Phoenix Suns. But if he can find a way past it into the second half of the season, and if this team can play like two months with its core group together. They've got enough. Like, I don't know how you contend with Durant, Beal, and Booker. Yusuf Nurkic is fine at the center position. He gives them, you know, what they need. He's not the player Aiton was, although Aiton's not the player Aiton was, Aiton was either. <laughs> um, but he's, he's fine at that center spot. They've got enough depth around those guys. They're fine. They've just got to find a way to get Bradley Beal healthy and get those three guys out there on the floor. If they can... Seeding for that team is not going to matter because they're that mm-hmm. great offensively that they can beat anyone anywhere. That's fair. I, I do agree that seeding for Phoenix won't matter, but I think it could play a huge role for some of those younger teams that haven't made a run yeah. before. Um, and I'm just incredibly impressed with OKC, man. I'm surprised we haven't like Sam Presti isn't like taking his victory well, this lap is, yet. Th- this uh, is why, like, this is why before the Damian Lillard trade went down in Portland. Mm-hmm. I had written that, like, keep an eye on Oklahoma City right. as yeah. a team to watch for Damian Lillard. Because while I didn't anticipate this kind of start, where they're like, what, 10-3 and three or 10-4, and four, whatever they are to start the season, um, I, I thought they'd be really good. Like, they were really good last season. They added Chet Holmgren, who was the number two mm-hmm. pick in the draft, who had an entire year to deal with the strength issues he was going to have yeah. and still kind of has uh, to start the season. <laughs> I so, believe Jokic said he needs to be fatter. Yeah. needs to be fatter, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, he, he, look, he's got a Durant-type body. He's never yeah. going to be a big guy, but right. he's, he's getting stronger uh, by mm-hmm. the month. Um, you know, all, to me, all they needed was like that, you know, sniper 
Uh, yeah. And maybe they already have it. Like, you know, Shea is a sniper. I mean, he's Chet, a closer, too. Yeah. I mean, Chet, that three-point shot Chet made against Golden Ooh. State was wild. <laughs> like, and, and he's got some moxie to him as yeah. well. So maybe they've got enough when it comes to that. But that's why I was writing bring Lillard to Oklahoma yeah. City because the Thunder are one of those teams that probably didn't care too much about Lillard's contract and had enough assets to satisfy Portland yeah. in terms of draft capital. So, um, you know, they're right there. Are, are they ready to go all the way? Probably not. You know, year one of of a team being this good often doesn't end with playoff success. But you know, th- this is legit. This is not like a flash in the pan aberration. This isn't the, they're not the Utah Jazz of the twenty twenty three twenty twenty four season. This team is going to be there uh, when we get into April and May. I think it was like Heat fans who were killing you that were like, "What if the Thunder are on a fifty win pace in February and make the Lillard trade?" They're on. They're currently on a fifty eight win pace. That's how good the Thunder have been. they've been just, I I know I keep echoing myself here, very impressive. And I think we've just seen it before with some of these teams that scuffled through the regular season. I know the Heat made this miraculous run last year, but there's something we said about the Thunder kind of getting these reps, building this continuity and chemistry this early in the year. I think it's going to bode well for them um, come springtime. And just seeing kind of the different teams at the top of the West, specifically Minnesota, Oklahoma City, I'm excited about it. It's been a lot of fun to start the year. I want to end. We briefly mentioned this team earlier on the podcast. Um, the Detroit Pistons, who lost to the Michael Malone and Nikola jokic Nuggets last night, which uh, your theory, which I back, the Nuggets essentially using it as a testing ground, a training ground, an if exercise. They if they weren't one and three in their previous four games, I would have absolutely positively like said that with certainty. Like the fact right. that they were one and three coming off a couple yep. losses. Yeah. Yeah. But Detroit, man, this is uh listen, Bogdanovich has missed the entire season. Monte Morris has been out. You know, they had someone missed the flu with two weeks. Like, yeah, they've, they've had some injury issues. They've had some content. Yeah, everybody's issues. banged up. Right. They are two and 13. They're worse than the Washington Wizards. I mean, that's that's really all you have to say. Two losses more than the Washington Wizards. They've played two more games. They hired Monty Williams as the highest paid coach in the NBA this summer. And I'm not saying this is all Monty's fault. But when you have the highest paid coach in the NBA, like a 2-13 and 13 start, that, this is pretty atrocious. I mean, Cade Cunningham has not taken the leap a lot of us want him to take. I'm a fan of his game. I thought he'd be a little bit further along now. I mean, he missed all the last year, and that's part of it too. But are you, like, how concerned should we be? Like, this is really bad. It It is really bad. And we should be very concerned. You mentioned Cade Cunningham. I was reading a story over at The Ringer this week about Cade Cunningham and how he's just awful mm-hmm. when it comes to advanced analytics. Like yeah. his Shout advanced out to Zach analytics, Graham wrote that story. Yeah, yeah. Ad- advanced analytics numbers are just terrible. I mean, you go back to the 2019-20 season. Uh, 20 wins for the Pistons that year. Next year, 20 wins. Next year, 23 wins. Last year, 17 wins. This year, they're on track for like 10. So, yeah, it, there's a lot of reason to be concerned, especially when you consider how much talent is on that roster. Um, I put this in my power rankings that are out on Tuesday. The Pistons have six players that were taken in the top seven of the draft since 2018. Like, they've got guys with talent, like guys that can play, yet they can't score on anybody. 
They're not really defending anybody. Cunningham has not been very good. Killian Hayes has been very bad. Um, you know, they turn the ball over a lot. They foul a lot. Um, you know, that is on the coach for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little hesitant to put to to, to make any kind of judgment yet about mm-hmm. the Monty Williams effect. It is his first year, his first half or dozen or so games. So let's see how it plays out over time. This is kind of like the the Ime Udoka in my head of how bad Ime was his first <laughs> right. half of the season in Boston. So I'm willing to give him some time to kind of work it out. Monty has a proven track record for working well with young players. But, you know, if this was soccer, the Pistons would be relegated. Like, they're, they're, <laughs> yeah. not, they're just not good and haven't been good for a number of years. I mean, I mentioned the last, what, four or five years. Like, before that, they were a 500 team that lost in the first round. They haven't advanced past the first round since 07-08. They've got three playoff appearances since then. They are as dysfunctional as any franchise mm-hmm. is in the NBA. And look, I, I, I think Cade Cunningham's going to be a good player. Um, can he be a great franchise player? Doesn't look like it right now. <laughs> like, looks like he can be a good number two, but can he be the, the number one guy that you expect him to be with the number one pick? Doesn't seem that way. So yeah, I don't have a lot of optimism right now that things are going to work out, uh, at least for this season in Detroit. And uh, and they've got some stuff to figure out along the way. It's brutal, man. You think a team that's been in the lottery as much as they have would have they a live little bit there. more talent. Yeah. Alec Burks is currently their second leading scorer at 13.2 points the a score game. score offense is terrible. It yeah. is just, I, I know they got they got blitzed. Yeah. Blitz. Like I, again, I was doing these power rankings, and you know, as I spend time kind of digesting the previous week's schedule, I'm just looking at how like the positives for the teams that are ascending are often like mm-hmm. beat up on the Pistons. I think I wrote some version of beat up on the Pistons a couple of times <laughs> uh, in the power rankings. So it they can't score with anybody. That's a major problem for them. Um, the Jaden Ivy thing, his minutes are down. Monty just doesn't seem to trust him. That's an awkward situation, and I respect Monty. He's trying to hold these guys to a standard and a level of accountability, but that's kind of the risky run, bringing in someone like him who's coming off this situation in Phoenix where he was coaching a very veteran team. And listen, I'm a fan of Monty. I'm interested to see how the situation plays out because I think he— But he he also coached the Pelicans. He coached the Pelicans to a—that was a young team that, um, you know, did pretty well underneath him. Uh, and that stint has aged pretty well uh, in New Orleans. Um, True. I, yeah, I, I think it's it's to me it's as much a talent. They, they've got a bunch yeah. of guys that are like yeah. kind of good. Like they, yeah. their draft picks have been kind of good. None of them have really been great, and that's kind of playing itself out this year. Uh, you know, look, he clashed with DeAndre Ayton last year. But DeAndre Ayton, as I pointed out, not exactly blowing the doors off in Portland. I saw one stat, wild statistic for DeAndre Ayton, not to get off track. He has attempted nine free throws this year. He's played like 13, 14 games, attempted nine free throws. He attempted 200 last season. He's attempted nine free throws this year. Like, something is going haywire with DeAndre Ayton offensively. Yeah. In, uh, in <laughs> There's also just clips going around of Ayton, like, screening ghosts and just not going after the ball. That. Yeah, yeah, that. that he's getting not, The fact yeah. that he's getting fewer touches this year on a rebuilding team that he was as the third option yeah. on a contending team is, uh, is pretty wild. Not ideal. Um, Chris, that is going to do it for today's episode. We will be back next week to talk more about the National Basketball Association. Um, Until then, uh, continue doing whatever it is that you do.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.